When people lie about me, it upsets me. And Jesus says, it's okay. Don't sweat the small stuff. You just keep doing what you're doing. You just keep following in my steps. You just keep being faithful. You just keep the main thing the main thing. You just keep your eye on the prize. Because all that other, that's chatter, that's noise, that's not at the heart of it. That is what we signed up for. Welcome to the Athens First United Methodist Church Sermons Podcast. I'm Kayla Thomason, a member of the communications team. We hope you enjoy this weekly resource. The scripture lesson, as you've seen in your bulletin this morning, is taken from the book of 1 Corinthians. Paul is writing to the church. And this is a church, quite frankly, that is struggling some. And in the third chapter of his letter, the 18th verse, he writes something uh, highly, highly unusual. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. That seems kind of odd, doesn't it? I mean, every other place in the Scripture where you read about people being foolish, it's never a good thing, is it? It's always a bad thing. I can remember sitting in the pew as a boy, and the preacher got up to read the Scripture lesson, and the Scripture that day was from Matthew 5, verse 22. I don't remember that. I had to look it up to find out what that was. But I was sitting there that day, and the preacher stood up, and so I was getting ready to get out my bulletin and my pencils and things and start scribbling on stuff and start drawing pictures and those kind of things. And he read the passage of Scripture and he said, if anyone calls another person a fool, uh, that's a bad thing. And if you do that, uh, you're, you're kind of moving your way to a bad place. And I never forgot that. He said, if you call anyone a fool... Boy, that's, that's rough. And we all know that theological place that is below us, and it makes us worthy of that place. And I thought that day in church, I knew enough to, to realize I never wanted to do that. And I can be totally honest about this. This is an exaggeration. I've never called anyone a fool in my life. Uh, even when I was a young person or as I was in days when I wasn't all that good of a person, I never called anybody that. Because somehow that day in that small church, when that pastor read that passage, it left this kind of indelible mark on my mind. And I thought to myself, well, I better be careful about using that word. And then, you know, you start studying the Scripture and you start moving through it, and that's reinforced again and again and again. We read about the wise builder and we read about the foolish builder and we all know which one we want to be. We want to be the wise builder. Jesus tells a parable about a wedding that was taking place and the bridesmaids had come. There were 10 of them and five of them brought their lamps and extra oil and five brought their lamps but did not bring extra oil. The bridegroom was late in coming and by the time he arrived those with no extra oil had run out of oil and those with extra oil put it in their lamps and those who had extra oil went into the celebration they went into the banquet while those who did not were left out and that parable is about the kingdom of God 
that it is important to be prepared. And so we all wanted to be and want to be in the camp of those who are wise, those who show up like those wise bridesmaids did. We all want to show up. We never want to fail to meet the moment or show up for the moment that we're in. And so we want to show up, and in that moment, we want to be present. But sometimes I'm guilty of showing up, but I'm not necessarily present in the moment that God has brought me to. Uh, I can remember teaching religion at Reinhardt for five years, and they always gave me 8 o'clock classes. I never had like a 10 o'clock class. Every, every sorry quarter, I had an eight o'clock class. I mean, there's nothing worse than an eight and a one, is there? Get them when their stomach's full or when they were up until all hours of the night and they come in at eight and they're not even awake yet. Some of you are thinking to yourself, oh, I loved eight o'clock classes when I was in college. And you may have, <clears throat> but you're weird because no other... <laughs> Because no other college student does, and you're not weird. You're just fortunate that you could get up and go. I remember that 8 a.m. chemistry lecture. Oh, my Lord. I mean, being up for that and being present in that was difficult. I felt like at those 8 o'clock religion classes, Old Testament for an 18-year-old at 8 o'clock. You stand up there and you do it. I mean, I had to come with every ounce of energy. I was exhausted the rest of the day after a one-hour lecture in Old Testament because I felt like I had to infuse them with some energy. Sometimes it's a little bit like that here, just to be honest with you. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, we all know what it's like to show up, but not necessarily be present. The Quakers call that all thereness. That was their word for it. Be all theirs, all thereness. So when we show up for the moment we're in, we need to be all there in that moment. And, and it's important that others are there with us oftentimes, is it not? If you were the only person here today, and I was standing here doing what I'm doing, and you were sitting there, and there was no one else in here, how would that be for you? It'd be terrible for me, I'm going to tell you that. And it would be awful for you too. And there wouldn't be a whole lot of, you know, back and forth like there is today. There's nothing like, there's nothing quite like the worship of the people of God. That's why it was so difficult during the pandemic. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, I stood here and looked at a camera and none of you were here. There was no eye contact. There was no back and forth. There was no Georgia smoked Florida. There was no Braves need to smoke the Astros one more time. Good must win over evil this time. It did yesterday and it must tonight. I know that's a joke, but you know what I mean. But if you were by here by yourself, you wouldn't even be laughing because it just seemed odd. But here we are, we've gathered together. And there's nothing quite like it. We need to be willing to let go and to let others in. Sometimes we need help from each other. You remember the story of the child who was pitching his first game in Little League? He was doing his best. He had practiced hard. But finally the coach had to come out to the mound and get him a little relief, if you know what I mean. So the coach came out to the mound and he said, okay, he said, you did a good job, but I'm going to have to take you out now. 
And he said, but coach, I got this guy out the last time he batted. And he said, I know, son, but that was the same inning. We're still in the same inning, and that doesn't, that doesn't work. Sometimes you need a little relief, don't you? Let's go back to the Braves. Let's talk about relief pitching, right? Some of those guys need some relief, and there's nothing quite like <clears throat> letting go and letting others be a part of the experience that you are in. Uh, <clears throat> to do so is, is a wonderful thing. So we all want to be among those who are considered wise. We all want to have oil for the lamps. We want to be the ones who showed up, who were present, who did so with others and celebrated in the grand banquet. But Paul says, there is a time for foolishness. And we look at that and it it's kind of uh, strikes us as unusual because there's so much commentary in Scripture uh, about it not being a good thing to be foolish. But let's think for a minute. The ways of this world do not always support and reinforce the ways of Christ. And so when those two come into conflict and we continue to live in in the will of Christ, in the way of Christ, then that comes, that comes into conflict with the standards, with the practices, with the issues of this world. Think about it. Mary said she was going to have a baby. And they said, well, how do you know? And she said, well, an angel told me. Now for a minute, let's just stop. How would you respond to that? Somebody comes to you and says, I'm going to have a baby. Well, how do you know? And Well, uh, God told me. I just know it. Okay, well, that's fine. Jeremiah said, I'm standing out here speaking to you on behalf of God because God has spoken to me. So what I'm communicating to you are the words of God. How many prophets have you, you know, kind of welcomed the message? Street corner preachers. Do you stop and listen for 30 or 45 minutes or do you keep moving? I keep moving. But, but Jeremiah was saying, God has spoken to me. And what I speak, I speak on behalf of God. I speak for God. And David said, I think a few rocks and a sling is enough. What must they have thought? That sounds foolish. That sounds crazy. And Mary Magdalene goes to a tomb where a crucified person has been buried and comes back and says, I have seen the Lord. Well, what would you say? Mary, here's some aspirin and a glass of water. Go lay down for a while. Yesterday was a traumatic day. We would do that. John Wesley, it's not just biblical characters. John Wesley went to the coal mine. John Wesley was this formal, highly educated man who preached in the Church of England. I mean, it was staid and traditional and all things like that. Very, very formal. And he's standing out there in a coal mine as the workers get off, and he's preaching. Now, now, when you get off work, if someone's out in the parking lot and they're shouting and they're preaching 
to the top of their lungs, you're going to get in your car as quickly as you can and go home and tell whoever is at home, there was somebody crazy at work today who was just standing out in the parking lot preaching a sermon. That's what the founder of Methodism did. He stood out there as the coal miners got off work and he preached sermons. And lo and behold, they stopped and listened. And thousands became part of a revival movement that eventually became the United Methodist Church. It's remarkable, but it sounds crazy. Helen Keller dealt with blindness and deafness. I cannot imagine living the large part of my life as a blind and a deaf person. And what did she say of her disabilities? She said, I have found myself and I have found my purpose and I have found my God because of my disabilities. Who says that? This is a good thing that I'm living with because I have discovered so much as a result of those things that have been a part of my life that we call handicaps, that we call disabilities. She was a goodwill ambassador who traveled the world. And not hearing and not seeing, she counted it as, as a blessing that it enabled her to find herself and her purpose and her God. Charles Feeney believed that God was calling him to a simpler, less consumptive life. He had $600 million. But he, he believed that God was calling him to something other than living in the lap of luxury with incredible wealth. He created a foundation, and last year he gave away the last bit of $80 billion. His foundation, he and his foundation took that $600 million he had and turned it into $80 billion, and they gave every dollar away because he said, I want to give away my wealth before I leave this earth, not after I leave this earth. I want to help now. And so he gave it all away. He, he and his wife live in an apartment they rent. They don't own a home. They don't own a car. They, li they live off this minute percentage of what he kept just to take them through the rest of their life. Who does that? Who makes that kind of decision? Goodness gracious, we all sit here and think, well, that sounds a little bit crazy. <clears throat> Paul says, if any of you thinks he's wise by the standards of the world, be careful. Because... There is a role for some foolishness in our lives. Now let's think about that. The Bible is kind of a hall of fame of foolish people. But I've named others this morning who are not in the Bible that we might count somewhat foolish too. But who is the chief of fools in the hall of fame? Is it the one who said, hey, when it comes to your enemies, 
I mean those folks who can't stand you. We don't, we don't mean just folks who don't like you. We mean your enemies. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just love them. I mean really, really love them. And the haters, all the haters, pray for them. Pray for those haters. Get on your knees and pray for those who hate you. That's a pretty tough standard. And if I do that, I'm going to look kind of foolish. If I'm out there loving my enemies like that, and if I say, you know, I'm praying for those who hate me, and give thanks, he says, and celebrate when people lie about you. You do that often? I don't. That looks foolish. When people lie about me, it upsets me. And Jesus says, it's okay. Don't sweat the small stuff. You just keep doing what you're doing. You just keep following in my steps. You just keep being faithful. You just keep the main thing the main thing. You just keep your eye on the prize. Because all that other, that's chatter, that's noise, that's not at the heart of it. That is what we signed up for. That is what we signed up for when we said yes. We did not sign up for anything less than that. We signed up to not be bothered by people who lie about us, to pray for our enemies and to love them. (laughs) We signed up to treat other people the way we want to be treated. We did not sign up to treat other people who treat us well the same way they're treating us. We did not sign up for an eye for an eye. That's just not what we signed up for. What we signed up for was all that other. To love our enemies and to pray for the haters and to treat others the way we would like to be treated. If we're going to follow in the footsteps of Christ, then this is going to be the hardest thing we've ever done. We all enjoy, and I certainly am included, in reading passages of Scripture that encourage us and inspire us. We all like that. Those are the ones we memorize. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. We love those passages of Scripture. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. We, we look forward to hearing those words declared, hearing that truth lifted up at Christmas. But we must, we must hear it all. And when we hear it all and we choose to say yes, then then we've said yes. And sometimes it's going to make us look foolish. Just, it is. Have you ever had a moment in your life when you look foolish? 
Nobody raised their hand this entire morning. And you know what I'm afraid of? You all don't tell the truth. That's what I'm afraid of. All of us have had those moments where we just feel foolish. I remember visiting the wrong guy in the hospital. Mr. Jackson, Mr. Jackson, Mr. Jackson, Mr. Jackson. He wasn't Mr. Jackson. When I got back to the church, Mr. Jackson, the real Mr. Jackson, his wife called the church and said, I want to thank you all for visiting my husband. He got out of the hospital yesterday and uh, came home, and I'm thinking, who in the world was that man I was visiting in the hospital? That was embarrassing. I looked foolish and felt foolish, and nobody likes that. Sometimes I get up here and I'll say something trying to be funny, and it's not funny. And y'all don't laugh, and it kind of feels bad. You know what I mean? I feel kind of foolish when I do that. I mean, I'm a hilarious person. You know, I could have been a stand-up comic and, and just made a fortune if I had wanted to. But we all know what it's like. But we all know we signed up for it. Because if we're going to walk in the way of Christ... We're going to have to become a fool sometimes. Mother Teresa went to Calcutta for her entire life, basically. She cared for the lepers. She cared for the least of these. Malcolm Muggeridge traveled to Calcutta to do a documentary on her, and he said he knew she was a good person, but he had no idea. He had a title for his documentary, and after spending time with her, he changed the title to Something Beautiful for God. And he asked her about going to Mass every day at 4.30 a.m. I mean, really? Every day at 4.30 a.m.? And she said, it's not even a choice, Mr. Muggeridge. I have to. I must. I could not do what I do without that. You see... If I did what I do just on my own ability and on my own capacity to love and be compassionate, that would be social work and I would fail. I go to meet Him there every morning because God makes everything more. And it's true. And sometimes we're going to have to get through, get beyond our own embarrassment to be the person that God truly wants us to be. I read a book a number of years ago, Godric by Frederick Beekner. It's a thin book, but it's hard to read because it's a story about a 12th century holy man and he's trying to purify his life in every conceivable way and it's comical at times, but it's sad at times. Sometimes it has positive effects on his family, and sometimes it has negative effects on his family. He speaks in the King James English throughout because he wants to be holy, and he thinks that's another way to get there. So everything in his life is aimed toward being a holier person. He wants to be a holy man. So he decides that one of the things all holy people must do is travel to the holy land. So he gets over there and he goes to all the sites and such. And one night he steps out by himself and he goes down to the Jordan River and he, he jumps into the Jordan River and he, 
immerses himself beneath the surface of the water. He just knows to be holy, certainly you have to do that. I mean, that's where Jesus was baptized. So many holy things happened at the Jordan. So he comes up out of the water, and this is right at the end of the book, and he prays this prayer, and he says, O thou who askest much of him to whom thou givest much, remember me not for the ill I've done, but for the good that I have dreamed. Help me not to just be the old and foolish one thou seest now, but help me to be a fool for thee. That is not an easy prayer to pray. But as Paul says, sometimes who you are, sometimes what you believe, sometimes how you live will not be met with praise and agreement in the world in which you're living. It is a hard road, but it is a road that is worthy of our absolute best in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at Athens First UMC. Thank you.